0: Hey, what's up, y'all? It's Will. If you're interested in spirits, liquor, distilleries, distilling, you're going to be very interested in this podcast. Probably learn a lot. Uh, this This was highly educational, and let's just put it this way. If you have any of those interests, listen to Scott Maitland from Topo Distillery talk about um, yeah, let's just say the interesting aspects of this industry that most people probably don't know about—I sure didn't. I'll leave it at that. No spoilers here. Check it out. Phenomenal conversation. Y'all keep listening. More coming soon. Thank you. All right, good man. We are uh, we recording. All right, Scott. Yeah still got you nice all right folks got Scott Maitland on the phone Scott's like the um, he's had the trifecta with us he he was in our book uh, restaurant owners in court back in 2010 2011 um, he uh, we've we've made he was one of the first people we went and filmed when we started our film series he's been on the podcast and, and here he is again it's been a long time though uh, and Scott owns two businesses in Chapel Hill North Carolina um, top of the hill restaurant Brewery, which has been there for what 20 almost 25 years now is that right scott almost 25 years yes. golly uh, and then topo distillery which wh- when did you start that about six years ago five six years no now? 10 years 10 years ago Blueberry. 10 oh that's right 10 holy cow that's so that's been an interesting ride and that's what we really wanted to you know you and i were talking earlier this week but i wanted to kind of wrap with you about the distillery why you got into it you know what what's happened in the industry here and uh in north carolina since then and um, kind of where you are with it now. Yeah, well, it's funny. I
1: mean, this sounds really weird, but it's true. We were the second brewery in the country to put micro-root beer in a can. But unlike Dale, we, we were distributing. We were just a brew pub, and we wanted to sell six-packs instead of growlers. And, uh, you know, through a Forrest Gumpian scenario where I bought this canning machine thinking I could buy 5,000 cans I realized only later that I had to buy 165,000 so I get into can brew and distributing that off of a third floor brewery in an urban environment uh, we were weirdly successful but obviously it was kind of unsustainable for logistical reasons hmm. and so I was looking to build another brewery Uh, to support the canning operation and in the process of that realized that that brewery would have to be quite large what could I do with the excess capacity Well, I could distill it and I became so enamored with distilling and the idea that uh, instead of just being another brewery I could be a Sierra Nevada or a New Belgium of distilling I decided I would start distilling and of course all of this was back in 04, 05, 06 Um, takes me a while to get going on it and um, should have been open in 8 but um, the law surrounding distilling uh, and being on the bleeding edge uh, I know that some of the first breweries in the country had problems uh, with their inspections departments and fortunately I was sort of the bleeding edge with distilling in an urban environment and messed around for a while but uh, ultimately got open (laughs) and was excited about the idea of 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 being a trailblazer in a a relatively nascent industry in terms of craft distilling. Um, Unfortunately, that proved out to be a lot harder than I expected.
0: How many distilleries were there in North Carolina when you opened in 2010?
1: Well, I I would have been number one. Okay. Um, But I got delayed by the town. Um, I had the opportunity to buy the old Chapel Hill News building in town, and so I thought that that would delay me six months. Uh, It ended up delaying me four and a half years because the town told me there can be no problem starting a distillery there. Um, and so I tried to buy the building, and I thought that would take a couple months. took 19 months. By the time I got the building, the town inspector had changed, and the new inspector said, No way can you put a distillery there. Oh, of course, man. I didn't know that until after I bought the building. So I had to rewrite the fire code and do all kinds of stuff. So would have been number one, ended up being number five.
0: Would have been, okay. And, you... and
1: there's now 75.
0: So ten, in 10 years, 70 additional distilleries have opened in North Carolina.
1: Yeah, and weirdly um because we're the, we're, we're the fifth group brew eighth brewery in North Carolina, and there's now like three hundred And we're the fifth distillery, and now there's like 75.
0: Are distilleries, I mean, do you think, will they can continue to grow with the rate that the breweries have? I would imagine not. It's a little bit, it's more challenging business. Well,
1: <clears throat> I think it depends on the legal landscape. And every state's different, and and, and uh, you know, stepping back for a second, when I was starting mine, everyone told me not to start in North Carolina because we were a control state. But I did my research, and I found that distilleries were actually doing better in control states because the states saw them as economic development. My mistake was I didn't check to make sure that North Carolina's version of control was the same as Virginia or Pennsylvania or Ohio's where those states actually own the liquor system. We okay, say that so
0: in North Carolina. Wait, so they own the liquor system in those states, their control states. We're a control state.
1: Yes. But, but we're we,
0: different. Okay. We, we
1: say as people, oh yeah it's a state controlled ABC system. Uh huh. But it's not. We actually franchise our um, A B C stores to local towns municipalities, and counties. So in Virginia, the Department of Revenue runs the ABC system. In North Carolina, the ABC oversees promulgations of rules for 172 county and town-level boards to run a system of 417 liquor stores.
0: 172 county and—yeah, because there's like 100 counties in North Carolina, right? 100 counties. Then you have the town—good grief.
1: Yeah, so some counties will have three or four boards in one county. And that all goes back to history and how we went from being dry to being wet. Um, But my point is, is that unlike Virginia, who saw it as economic development, and when the first distillery comes to them, you know, (laughs) the state of Virginia is like, oh, my God, this is great. You've got a tax base. You've got employees. We're going to put you in every store, um, and we're going to train our employees to sell your stuff because this benefits our state in north carolina it was like hard to get in to begin with and then when i did get in every abc board w- was pretty much hostile like they could care less they, they, they you know um it was difficult for the first distilleries like myself to even get on a shelf at all
0: why is so that why would they not want local i mean the, the customer appreciates local products
1: Uh, But, you know, one of the things you learn is that a monopoly does not care about the
0: customer. Mm, And the only person they care less about than the customer is the supplier.
1: Unless, of course, the supplier is taking care of them in some real way. And Mm. uh, one of the great fictions, I think, is the idea that somehow our ABC system is is above and beyond some kind of 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 graft and, and problems. And I'm not saying every board's got those issues, but trust me there has been enough documented situations where, you know, you've just got a lot of interesting things that happen within a system that nobody understands and nobody oversees.
0: Yeah, easy to get away with that stuff, isn't it? Mm-hmm.
1: It, it, it really is. And, and well, who could ever see
0: 172 of them? Nobody could. Not affect I, that. I, okay, makes sense. Gotcha. Yeah,
1: well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, and not only that, but the, the each board has its own board of local folks. All of them are dialed in politically. Um, that's how they get the position to oversee it. Um, you know, so it is an interesting... Dynamic. So, so the ABC boards. So, so in our effort to allow a distillery, for example, to sell one bottle, one bottle, when when people were given a tour, you know, the ABC boards saw that as a real affront to their monopoly, thought it would hurt them. The irony is, over the last ten years, we've gone from not being able to sell anything to this past year, we were able to get unlimited bottle sales at the distillery. And the irony is, not only have North Carolina distilling sales gone up in ABC stores since then, but all sales have gone up. So that was our point to the ABC system. We're not going to take away sales from you. We're going to help generate sales with the best marketing arm you could have. Um, let's just say that the ABC system is not the Jack retailing outfit that you would probably have in a, pri- in a private sector
0: no totally makes sense man that's a very convoluted system so you've got to go through 172 boards and each one has to decide right and so in my
1: somewhat cavalier way I was told starting a brewery was going to be hard and you know it wasn't easy but we could do it so when people said I was starting distillery is gonna be hard I'm like yeah I heard that no it is infinitely harder uh, at least in North Carolina Uh, but I also think in everywhere, because specifically in North Carolina, you you can't, or at least you could not, sell directly to your consumer. Um, And you have this state quasi-monopoly situation going on in North Carolina. In other states where they're free, one of the issues you've got is you're, yeah, you're free, but there's been real consolidation of distributors, and The distributors and the big brands are sort of in this frenemy uh, Mm. scenario where they need each other, but they really don't like each other. And the big brands, though, don't want the distributors to expand into small brands. Uh, And they put such demands on the distributors that the distributors don't have the bandwidth to do it. And so it's it's difficult to break in on on a free state as well.
0: Interesting. Is there a, okay? So, so you there. Was there were there were five. Now there's seventy five, and every one of those distilleries has to go to every board. I mean, it, 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 wherever they want to sell it, uh, or whether yes. they'd like to sell it. So if you want to sell it in Charlotte, you got to, at There's got to be more than one in Charlotte, isn't there? Or are there? No, there's
1: one board in Mecklenburg County. Okay, so Mecklenburg got County's 20, got twenty one 21 stores.
0: Okay, do you have to sell get each store to buy in or?
1: Yeah, well it depends on the board. And so, um what
0: um grief.
1: You know, yeah, right. And so it's you know, and by the way, you know, from my perspective, for example, Mecklenburg they've been very friendly to to um small distorts, right? And and, and it really is a board by board situation. Um I will tell you, since I was the vanguard of changing the laws, there are boards that will not carry me because they are just carrying out economic retribution against me and my brand because I helped change the laws to allow sales within distilleries. And so, you know, it is a brutal, mean, ugly business where you're mandated to use certain channels. And uh, that's why I look at it as one of the achievements of my career is the bill we passed in '19 that basically authorizes the creation of micro distillery restaurants. And unlimited sales of bottles at distilleries of products that, that are made there, plus also distilleries and cocktails and that type of thing. So until until last year, you go to a distillery, you could only take a one-eighth of an ounce sample of a beverage. You couldn't have it in a cocktail, not even water. Golly, right? <laughs> it's crazy. It, it, it is, it's been crazy, and so we have finally gotten the laws to such that. I think that, uh, you know, the, the one thing when you look at the brewing industry and you look at the distilling industry, um, while there are breakouts in both that seem to somehow get that distribution piece rolling and get it going, um, by far the most prevalent successful model is a brewery that is either a brew pub or got mm-hmm. a very vigorous tasting room where they're selling direct retail. And then they've got some distribution as kind of a side hustle. Mm-hmm. But the direct retail sales is what allows the business to to, you know, survive. And it's also what creates the community. And that's one of the things that I love about the distilling and brewing industry is that that, you know, we we are creating a community and what's really wild is this entire industry is based on lies, right? Eighty um, percent of distilleries don't make their own alcohol from scratch, big and small, um, and so um, it's all Wait, marketed. Though eighty percent
0: don't make it from scratch. Yeah, eighty percent. They buy
1: it already made and then claim it that it's theirs. I mean, so ask yourself how does how does a brewery that's only, or a distillery that's only been open two years come out with a twelve year old whiskey?
0: Oh right, well they're buying that stuff. And there that company in the wherever it is like Indiana. MGP.
1: MGP in Indiana. Yep. Yeah. And we got we got okay. more of a, we, we. That is a successful business model is making alcohol for other people, uh, and I'm not saying that
0: that's bad, but, but it's no a much. it's deceptive because they know the con, the consumer doesn't know that. Get it? They just that's right. Okay, that's exactly so you right. buy it from them and then you stick your label and and you just yes. what do you just you just bottle it locally? Is no,
1: that,
0: you don't even do that, way. You literally you're. So that all you do is stick your label on it?
1: Yeah, it depends, man. It totally depends. Yeah. And oh by the way, God, it's not just the crazy. question of oh, I haven't been open long enough. Like, there are literally distilleries that don't make a damn thing. So
0: it's just a marketing pull. It, that's it's a all marketing. it is. Yeah. It's an old old building and. Family. Who? Like,
1: like Bullet Whiskey.
0: Right? Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: So very famous brand, very huge brand if you ask the normal customer they would say oh yeah bullet that was founded by the bullet family and the grandpa you know the handed off to the son now the son and the daughter are you know well turns out that's all fiction bullet was created by the dad in the 80s was acquired by seagrams seagrams was acquired by diageo um diageo comes to the bullet the, the original founder you know five and says listen We got this bullet brand It doesn't do much. We want to put some money into the brand. So we are going to create a fictional backstory that you had a grandfather or you had a father who was a big moonshiner distiller, created this brand. You took it over, and you're going to hand this brand down to your daughter, and it's all locally owned, and, and this is all you. But it's all a fictional story, but we're going to pay you to do that. And so that's what they did, and everyone believed it. And in a weird twist, the daughter ended up suing the father for sexual molestation. And in that lawsuit, it comes out that the whole backstory and everything is a complete lie. It's just a marketing stage set up by Diageo to sell bullet whiskey, which in and of itself is mass produced at another distillery and just bottled.
0: That's got to be very illegal, though, isn't it? (laughs) You would
1: think. You would think. But interestingly, the federal labeling agency, the, the, the federal agency that oversees alcohol labeling um, was created in the 1890s prior to the, the FDA. And it turns out that people have been lying about the provenance of liquor from, from jump uh, Ever since the time of George Washington and Hamilton, 90% of the liquor sold in the United States has been made by six distilleries or less. People would just buy it and then say they made it and market it. And what happened was alcohol would be passed from person to person, uh, like retailer or, or like, you know, like broker to broker to wholesaler. So often the people would cut it along the way to make it stretch. And so they were cutting it with things like lye. So, you know, lye is a poison that will burn your mouth. But they would replace, like they double the alcohol or double the volume they had by putting lye fluid in there. Because people felt the burn and felt like they're getting alcohol when in fact they're getting lie poison. Oh God! <laughs> right. So the the point is, is that the TTB was formed to make sure that didn't happen. But since lying about the, or marketing about the provenance of alcohol was just what everyone always did, the TTB does not look at any claim about handmade or anything like that with anything other than that's just marketing puffery which brings us to Tito. Tito, I think of Tito, like I think of Anakin Skywalker, starts off as a great force for good, creates the American craft vodka market. You're
0: talking about Tito's vodka.
1: Tito's vodka, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, he starts off as awesome. And uh, we helped introduce Tito's in North Carolina. But at the same time, I was starting my discovery, Tito's going to scale. And so instead of continuing to make it himself, he ends up buying it from Cargill or Archer Midlands Daniels and bottling that as his own. And people will say, well, what's the big deal? This is America we're just outsourcing it. The big deal is the way alcohol is made. So if you're fermenting alcohol, there's about 2,000 different yeasts you can choose to ferment the alcohol. If you're the old Tito or if you're Tapo, right? We're choosing yeast based on flavor. Yeah. Archer Midlands Daniels, Cargill, they are making ethanol for your gas tank. They are picking the yeast based on yield. The problem is, while their yeast are amazing and will make twice as the amount of ethanol, which is what you really want to be drinking, um, their ethanol tastes bad and you can't distill that out because you're distilling for ethanol. And so how do you get the bad flavor out? You gotta filter it like crazy, and when you filter it like crazy, you filter out the bad flavor, but you also filter out all the good flavor. And what you're left with is something that tastes like a solvent. And unfortunately, that's the new Tito's, that's your great uses, that's all your major brands.
0: Unbelievable, really? Yes.
1: Yeah, and if you and if you don't believe it, you know, Google, like Wall Street, it's huge.
0: You oh, know. I mean, I say unbelie—I believe it. I'm—I'm sure that's—it actually doesn't surprise me because you always. I was talking to the listeners. On yeah, the phone. yeah, yeah, like, yeah, don't, yeah. Don't believe Scott Maitland. Go check yeah, this yeah, out. Yeah, this is, yeah, yeah. Yeah, check it out, dead. folks. It's there. Uh, man. So, so the
1: point is that the the impact of all of this, by the way, is unlike craft. Going back to the challenges the stillers have, unlike craft beer, where it was clear what was craft versus what was a major brewery based on the fact that every major brewery was only making American light lager, right? You got anything else you knew was craft. Um, in spirits, there is no distinction. Like, like vodka looks like vodka, right? You can't visually tell the difference. Uh, everybody's making the same products anyways. And everyone's using the same language, handcrafted, handmade, our recipe, blah, 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 blah. Even though 80% of them is just not true. So it's very confusing to the customer. Very effective marketing, um, but there's no way for the craft distiller to really, um, you know, carve out that niche. And even some of the breakout brands that we think of that were small, you know, like High West and all of that. Dude, High West wasn't a startup thing. It was, it was a a huge investment where they bought Canadian whiskey, brought it in, and marketed it
0: as if it was made in Colorado. It wasn't, right? Utah, so High West—that's in Park City. What, what's the? Okay, so all their stuff is. I thought High Can- West was Colorado. But- no, that's uh, there's no High West is in Park City, and they've yeah. got like a big restaurant there and all that kind of stuff. I've had I, that's freaking. Is it, so it's all from Canada?
1: It was. I think they. So, so for example, Whistle Pig is another example. They were buying it all from MGP, but then they hurried up and tried to build a distillery so nobody could figure out that in fact, it was all. A lot. By the way, the, uh,
0: wow. Four Wait, the, years in a row, MGP? the gold winners for rye whiskey in San Francisco,
1: which was, and I can't remember the order, but Whistlepig, Templeton, um, oh, come on. Whistlepig, Templeton, um, why can't I think of the other two? The point is, four of them in a row, all different brands, right, all made by MGP.
0: Is it the same stuff? I mean, are you, I mean, if if MGP's making it, are they literally taking the exact same stuff? and bunches They were, of...
1: yes. Now it's got a little more sophisticated, and these guys will make your own cut for you. But yeah, at one point, it was just all the same stuff.
0: Yeah, they'll make your own cut, but it can't be that much variance. Like not... That's right. So That's people right. are buying... Yeah, this is a fascinating thing to me. I mean, I knew that was happening. I remember seeing something on 60 Minutes. That's why I said something like some company in Indiana, but I couldn't remember the... Details. I didn't. I don't. I did not remember it being that large of a share of the market. Uh, though it is not surprising because it's an expensive. It's. it's I mean, it's got to be a lot more expensive to have all that equipment to do a distillery yeah, would lot. be The did. way
1: to make money in distilling is to not own a distillery. Yeah. Buy the alcohol made and, and focus on your marketing, and that's where I was a little naive. I was thinking well, this is going to be like beer, and by the way, I'm not just thinking it because I'm a yeah. product guy. Right you know, at, the, at the heart of it, I'm. Yeah, you know, this is what I made. Do you like it? <laughs> right. Um, and so I, I recognize that maybe marketing is not our strength, but I just kind of always felt like, you know, given the right chance, the best products are going to win. Um,
0: well, but the, the consumer is, conf- they're confused. They're confused yes. and they're being deceived. I mean, you got to like look. You know, I just feel like the the I mean. They're 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 taking a huge risk because the generation of people that you know the young generation now millennials the, the next generation coming up they're they're more and just as they're more dialed into where's my food coming from is my food local am I eating at the local restaurant I, you know they they want transparency they want to know more they're going to want to know more about their their liquor well, you would
1: think and I got to tell you that's one of the most disappointing things so you know we created the first organic distillery in the south. Yeah, Uh, we're credited by North Carolina for creating the organic wheat market in the state of North Carolina, and that was our belief that you know chefs dedicated to local sourcing would see this as a real value. Yeah, um, and customers would get it, and while clearly some do, for whatever reason, both well, I well, what I ultimately have concluded. People don't see alcohol as a food. I mean, they see beer as as an agricultural product, but they don't see liquor as an agricultural product. And so they don't even realize how it's made. They don't realize that it's as much of an agricultural product as a chicken breast. And I can't tell you how many times I've been to a restaurant that would talk about the provenance of its chicken and its flour and its onions and all of that and then say, "Oh, and by the way, have a you know have a nice Grey Goose Martini, or have a nice Tito's Martini, right?" And you're just like, "Dude,
0: what's up?" Well, maybe, just don't understand. maybe, yeah, but maybe you're just so far ahead of the curve, and like you said, on the bleeding edge, because you know that's what uh, they they view beer that way, don't you think? Because that story has been told enough for long enough now, and they've been educated. Like I didn't used to think of it that way, but I talked to guys like you. You know, when I left you the other day, it, it uh chapel hill i went over there and sat down with sean lily wilson and you know he was telling me about how many you know how much money they've spent in north carolina you know buying blueberries and strawberries and all that kind of stuff and people are you know that that resonates now people do think of that but that that's because that story's been told long enough maybe that that'll happen with with yeah. liquor as well. I mean, the consumer just doesn't know. I don't really know. I didn't know that as much. I just, okay. I need to be educated. Like, this is highly educational. I, I mean, God, I hope a lot of people that are into liquor will listen to this episode because it's <laughs> extraordinary. I mean, it, it literally, it's just changed the way I'm, I'm thinking. Well, how do you find out, Scott? Like, you go in there and you go to your ABC store. I mean, I go to the ABC store. By the way, you're right, because the one I go to out in South Charlotte's got, like, tons of North Carolina. It's got a whole section. For North Carolina. Well, we
1: were able to pass a law that mandated they have to have it
0: North Carolina. Yeah, State. and they've got a good one, and uh, and it's it's prominently displayed. But let's say I roll up on the set, and whether I go to North Carolina, I just go to the the, the mainline stuff. Like, how do you know if it was at what's the company? IB, IMG, MGP, MGP, MGP.
1: Well, it used to be kind of easy, but lawyers have kind of gotten away way around it. So <clears throat> here's 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 one of the ways to look at it. If you look at the label, and on the back. If it says produced by, Hmm. if it says produced by, that means they did not make it. Okay. But interestingly, the lawyers have figured out a way around that, which is they have the manufacturer of the liquor file for and get a DBA, the same name
0: as the brand. Oh my God! Are you serious?
1: (laughs) So yeah. So that that kind of way is now kind of gone. So you really got to kind of dig deep. And, and, you know, my whole point is if you walk into a distillery and you don't see a, a, a grain mill, you don't see a frit press, you don't see evidence of agriculture, you see a bunch of plastic containers, um, you know, stacked up in the back and the loading dock and all of that, um, you know, it, you're you're not at a distillery you're at a bottling facility. I'll tell you, I went down to the Bahamas for Thanksgiving seventeen. And the taxi cab driver finds out I'm a distiller and says, man, you know, you need to go check out our 250-year-old rum distillery. like, holy smokes, this is cool. Yeah, absolutely. So I show up at this place. Well, it turns out it's a 250-year-old plantation, but the distillery's only been open for two years. But of course, they've got it all tricked out. It's awesome from a tourist perspective. And they got all these old photos and all this stuff none of it which applies to the actual facility you're at but whatever we get to the quote-unquote distillery and i say hey uh where is the distillery and the guy's like there it is and i i said no that's the bottling facility where's your actual still and, uh, and at this point i'm still naive enough to think that you know maybe there's a rule about not having visitors in a still whatever right and uh, they yanked me out of the tour i go talk to the owner and the owner's like uh, Yeah, man, I don't make it. I buy it in New Jersey, bring it down here, (laughs) bottle it up, and then sell it to tourists from New Jersey on the cruise ships.
0: That's hilarious. Oh, that's great. They got the cab drivers paid off to tell everybody about it. (laughs) Right. I
1: mean, honestly, man, it has been, in many ways, this this industry has been the most heartbreaking, heartbreaking thing I've ever done.
0: Wow, that's a that's fascinating. Okay. So if, it's, so if it says produced, you still don't know because they could be – they set up a DBA. If it says produced, they definitely – I mean, Yeah, but if it's – okay, but even if it doesn't say that, it still could be just a – okay. <laughs> That's fascinating. Um, So it's very hard then. It's very hard to know. You go to a – ABC store the employees probably don't know like you just you don't know unless you maybe you do your own research and this you got to go, go visit the distilleries. Well I was gonna that's say right. they don't have it's a little bit different than breweries like you go to top of the hill you, there's your I mean there's your equipment right there like you can see it I get every brewery I go to I look at the equipment it's prominently displayed it's it's part of the experience but distilleries you don't go to go to a distillery and hang out and no, see, eat but that's a meal not true anymore okay see, Is because that what, the laws have changed. So yeah. now
1: – so now, hey, we you know we come in. I've been giving tours for you know seven years now, but but no, you come in and you'll see it. And uh, um,
0: yeah, but you know, don't have a restaurant <laughs> there at the distillery. That's what I'm saying. Like, well, now the
1: laws have changed, so you can. That's okay, right, you can. You can't have that. Um, and um, and the point is, I think though that the, the more than likely it's going to kind of grow more into how breweries said, okay, great, we're going to have tasting rooms. Um, and I actually think that the future is going to be breweries. And distilleries co-located together because yeah. it's the only place in North Carolina where you can have beer and cocktails and no food without having a private club.
0: With Okay, beer and cocktails and no food without having a private club. Oh, you'll see yeah. those two together with no food? That's what I'm saying. I think that's the future. If like like you know, Bond Brothers there in Cary, uh, they don't have food. They just got a big brewery. Like they would have a distillery that's there right. too. Okay. So if they,
1: they wanted to start their own distillery, they could, and, and then they could, by law, sell cocktails there too. And they are not required to sell food, nor are they required to run it like a private club,
0: which ah. normally,
1: if you have alcohol without food, you have to run it like a private club.
0: Okay, they could do that because then they just get the food truck out, and that's what they do. I went to Bond Brothers. That's right. those, those guys that's are good right. so guys. I was thinking that that's the. Yeah
1: that's that's the thing we created although we've created micro distillery to restaurants too I mean like like,
0: you know so but it's I gotta to be a club yeah cause um, is that why when I go to Broken Spoke here in Charlotte it ha- like I have to say I'm a member of the club I have to sign or whatever yes. it is it's some silly thing cause all you do is write your name down but I mean that's
1: right it's, it's totally still we try to get rid of that and, and
0: uh, but did they do theirs though. I don't I haven't seen their equipment I go in there and I drink their stuff but I don't I, don't, I wonder if they have this I don't know it's interesting um, I'm start being more
1: you got to be a little more thing right yeah. and my whole point is man my i'm cool with it as long as this the the main marketing like, like like i am totally fine like like for example vigorous brothers here in durham they make a lithuanian uh, spirit that is traditional it's a great base spirit that's flavored with honey and cinnamon Krypnikos, that's, that's what the Lithuanians call it. The point is, is that Rim Vigilis of Vigilis Brothers never claims to make the alcohol from scratch. His whole thing has always been, hey, I take this and then I I flavor this with my stuff. And he never says, I make it from scratch. I hope he sells a crap load because I love that honesty, right? And and so my whole point is, is that I got no problems with people doing this, but just don't lie about it.
0: right? Yeah. Don't,
1: don't mislead. right? Because I think the customer believes... I think the customer believes when they come to a distillery that you're making
0: it from scratch. Well, you know what we're uh, we're suckers for stories. I mean, stories are how we learn. Stories are something we can cling to, and and uh, st- you know, it's funny. There's I won't I won't say which clothing company this is, but you know, we talked about uh, Patagonia, and you know, I'm a big fan of Yvonne Chouinard, and we've talked about that multiple times. But there's this other outdoors uh, clothing company, and um, they have a. Uh, they're supposedly headquartered in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. And years ago, I was like, "God, I like their stuff, man. This is cool." And they're in Jackson Hole, and I like to snow ski, and really cool. It must be like a startup thing. And well, it turns out this was hilarious. It turns out that they have like a PO box there, and like two people or something like that. But oh they're, my God. they're literally right. they're literally headquartered in Charlotte. They're owned by a private equity firm, and the guy who runs it is my. Friend's neighbor like that's how i found out. i was like dude that's not like you're talking about like they're not that's not he's like you know my neighbor runs it. i was like what do you mean your neighbor runs it Jackson's like, jackson bro like no 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 no, dude so i was like i'm never buying an item from them again because i got suckered yep. right i got fooled well and, this, is, um, this is
1: my issue with marketers right yeah so markers will say well it's okay it's just marketing yeah and, and the problem is this attitude this this there's no other way to say it. I mean, the marketers get themselves you say this, but just this nonstop lying or misleading statements. Well, this is how we're marketing everything now, including our political candidates.
0: Oh, it totally right? is. And,
1: and so, my point is, is that you know, it's that old Pogo cartoon, right? I I, I saw the enemy, and it was us. It's like, hey, okay, everybody, we we need to recognize that that. We need to validate that the marketer's claims are true and we need to punish those who aren't. Right.
0: And and let's
1: just be honest and let's be honest on all things because unfortunately we're selling political candidates like we're selling cheap ass whiskey. Right. Because by the way, right. You know, it's like, it's like anything else you can make people believe just jack it up the price or whatever, convince them it's good, whatever, Uh, put it in a really special bottle. Um, you know, I, I hope I'm not coming across as a, as a bitter cynic, although I kind of feel like I've become that.
0: <laughs> no, you know what? You're coming across as somebody that's 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 learned a lot, and you're taking what you've learned and leveraging that as a tool to educate the consumer uh, who does want to know. Like I said, that's like right. some people don't care, whatever. They're, you know, fine, I don't really care, I'm not discerning, I'll buy whatever, you know, and that's fine. But more and more people are and when you do and the thing about it this is what i tell my kids all the time i'm like don't be a sucker like you know like when i found out i was being suckered by that brand and they yes. would say oh well we didn't you know and, and there's probably some legalese they can say well we you know but well, we have a whatever office in Jacksonville. yeah but the yes. point is you're you're full of it because the story you're telling it, yes. you know you know what you're doing and it's deliberate and you're 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 confusing people, you're deceiving people. So once you find out you've been suckered, man, it's like, that's a really myopic way to run a business. I think because, okay, maybe you make money short term, blah, 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 or oh, grow growing. Blah, 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 blah. But then as soon as people start finding out word of mouth spreads and people start realizing they've been suckered, then it's like, you go from like really popular to like screw them, you know, like yeah, just because what happens so is the problem who,
1: is the problem is this whole industry. Yeah. The whole industry is like this. So, all your huge brand they got all these branding stores got all this stuff so I'm not going to say it's all bull- bullshit but so much of it yeah right that dude they're closing ranks man and and you know nobody wants to upset the good you know like yeah. I was told by my distributor in Georgia that I needed to stop telling the story about Tito and 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 tasting my stuff against Tito because that you know, it was upsetting. And I'm like, well, tell me what it is that I'm doing wrong. And you know, they're like, well, nothing. You're you're accurate. You are right. But, uh, you know, we sell a lot of Tito's. And I say, well, you sell a lot of Tito's because you say it's handmade and all this kind of stuff. You're lying. I'm not. So maybe you should be selling more Tapa. Well, you know how this story is. You know, Tito paid and, and uh, I'm kicked out of Georgia, right?
0: So, oh, really? How, you many, know, how many states are you in?
1: At one point, I was in 11. So we reduced it. So now we're in Tennessee, South Carolina, North Carolina, California. And not to sound like David Hasselhoff, but we're getting pretty big in Japan.
0: Japan, man. There you go. I was just going to ask you about overseas. I think um, I told you I was going out there to see. I think I told you I was going to see uh, Karen. Hoskin at Montana Rum out in Crusted yeah. Butte. And I think she's like sells a bunch of stuff over in Spain. I got to like I don't know. If we're gonna do a podcast episode, and I'll have to ask her about that. But uh, I mean, she does a lot here, but there's some big market for her overseas in yeah, one of those and, countries, and Spain or Italy. Colorado, and,
1: and, and you know, it's not just laws, but culture, right? Yeah. Um, that that distilleries were really able to to really take off like brewers did, um, which is awesome.
0: Yeah, a lot more out there. A lot of distillers, Yeah. yeah. Well,
1: I'm not going to say there's a lot more, but they're a lot more successful.
0: A lot more successful. What about, okay, so what's up in Japan? Um, How are they buying organic liquor from Bradley North, North Carolina's Carolina's Carolina? Japanese woman
1: comes and visits his family, takes a tour at the distillery, says, man, I can sell this stuff in Japan. Um, so we end up exporting a small amount. And then over there, another bigger group became aware of it, and and, I mean, yeah, just it's it's a long it's a
0: long story, but uh, was it your bourbon or your gin or well, it was our our gin
1: and um, our whiskey. Although you know, it's funny going back to the schedule fly story about sticking to your knitting, right? So here I am in Japan, all of a sudden I got to change the packaging. You know what I mean? I got to do. I mean, like. Like, you know, it wasn't, it, it it has not been as great as I would have imagined because of the expenses and stuff that we had in terms of, of, of making this ready for the Japanese market, which is nothing on the Japanese. That's what you got to do. Um, and I'm fine with that, but it, but it is interesting because it was definitely, you know, it's not just something that, okay, it's the same product. No, we had to go through a lot of work and effort to do that. And here's the other thing. This was, you know, this is the shit you learn. But um, so, you know, how does the liquor get there? Well, it's got to go through the uh, Panama Canal. And we used to use real corks. And we would have some problems with corks popping in domestic stuff. But uh, the first pallet that we sent over, every cork popped, even though we had put all this stuff on it. Right? And uh, so we had to switch the screw tops and we had to do all kinds of stuff. So it was a real effort. But uh, by God, we have sold stuff in Japan. So it's pretty cool
0: dang that's interesting yeah Japanese are into their I, they would like your pure stuff they don't want to be well, that's it the <laughs>
1: organic thing is a deal you know and then we also um, thought we had a deal in China um, but that ended up kind of be more of a scam than anything else but I mean this, this distillery has taking us all over the world it's pretty crazy
0: well the Japanese their stuff's legit I think I don't think they have the same issues there I would guess they don't They they're very into purity and you know uh well anyway so um that's interesting that's fascinating this is incredible i'm going to go get rid of about half my freaking bourbon bottles man
1: i think the way to look at it is is that, <laughs> that the people that make liquor traditionally yeah. see it as a chemical
0: uh huh
1: right and i think the craft folks the folks that really are craft we see it as food yes and and and, and that's the difference um and neither one of them is wrong, but um, uh, don't market it as a food when you treat it like a chemical.
0: Well, can you imagine if you were selling beer and you said it was craft beer and it was actually Budweiser? Um, you know, like
1: well, people have done that, right? That yeah. was that was a somewhat successful for Pete of uh, Pete's Wicked Ale. You know what I mean? But yes, that that, that but you're you're putting your, your, your finger right on it, and the difference was was that. The difference by looking at it with beer. You can't do that with booze.
0: You can't do that with booze. But you should be able to right. tell the difference by tasting it. Couldn't you? Well, well I mean, I know you can, can because quite frankly, problem. I remember tasting yours that time when you gave me the tour. And it was yeah. noticeably different. <laughs> you did yeah. the taste of like four different kinds and uh yeah. it was pure and I mean, good grief, that stuff was fan- It was the vodka. It was phenomenal. Yeah.
1: Well, so here's the thing though, right? Here's the other deal. Yeah. Nobody drinks stuff neat. I do. So I'm going to buy this thing. I got the story, <laughs> and what I'm going to, you know, I got this vodka. I buy. It, I'm going to put it in tonic.
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: right. You can't taste anyone's.
0: Right. right. Yes. So,
1: so you know, I mean, on one hand, one of the reasons why we don't drink vodka neat in this country is because, unlike Russians and Poles who had a history of handmade vodka that actually has some flavor, we have only, I always tell people, it's like, if you made the analogy to bread, if if bread was vodka, the only vodka we've ever had is Wonder Bread. Right? Just this white
0: stuff
1: with no flavor. And so we're like, this is vodka, we stick it in stuff. But the reality is that vodka can be drank neat or on the rocks and appreciated or in a martini and appreciated for its flavor. In fact, you've just convinced me when I get done with this, I'm going to go make myself a martini because it's just so great. Right? Whereas if you're drinking a vodka martini made by any major American brand, Tito's included, I guarantee you, most people are going to make it dirty because they need the olive brine to hide the solventy flavor of the actual vodka.
0: Oh, I bet so, man. Yeah, Yeah. it is interesting that most people don't. I always, when I'm out with my buddies, I'm always like, I normally just get bourbon neat, you know, just get yep. a couple fingers, yep. and uh, rarely does anybody. I'm like, I don't like. You want to? You, you're all obsessed with this craft beer, and you want this craft beer, and it's got to be local. And then you, but then the the liquor, you know, when you add all that stuff to it, you're. It's. I don't know, man. I like the purity that's of a, just drinking it just as it is. I, but I guess I'm, right. I'm weird about a lot of stuff. No, no. So whatever I mean, this I mean. is
1: this is this is why we we bond, will, and honestly. I think it's why we're a little kooky. Because here's the weird part, too. It, it, I mean, and, and I don't I mean, obviously, yeah. I'm very proud of the brewing industry. Like I said, I've been in the North Carolina brewing industry since the very beginning. Yeah. The problem is, it's like I mean, from my perspective, it has gotten a little, like a little crazy, right? I mean, like 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 it's like people have become obsessed with just new and different, just for new and different, and and all these wacko flavors sometimes. and... And and it's sort of like man. I sometimes feel like we just lost the ability just to enjoy a well-made, good, constructed beer. You know what I
0: mean? Yeah, um, for sure.
1: And 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 it becomes this. It, what it really comes down to is, for some reason, I think wine, beer, booze. It's really attached in some ways to how we think of ourselves, our ego, mm-hmm. how we present ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, what I'm drinking is a statement to somebody of who I am. Um, it's interesting. It's it's, uh, it's complicated. It really is.
0: Well, I do agree with that. I do agree with that very much. Now, I'm probably making that statement when I'm just like, I just want it neat. But it's just because I like things simple. I don't know. Maybe that's the statement I'm making. It's like, well, I, mean, I don't need a bunch it, of stuff. Right? Like, I mean,
1: and, and, and like I say, obviously, drinking whiskey neat is by no means unusual. Yeah. But when you're talking about gin or vodka or whatever, you know, a lot of people have never thought about what it tastes like because...
0: I want some of your vodka I, Man I need to get I should have gotten a bottle While I was there Alright We, we No I, I
1: I felt bad You brought me that Really nice swag bag And I, I Oh no no
0: no no, I, no, 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 no. I don't care but No but you know what Next time I'm rolling back Through there man I want to come get a bottle Of that vodka I'm going to start drinking That vodka Plain <laughs> Neat Just like it's supposed to be <laughs> No
1: no You know I you that That's the perfect way To drink Top of vodka Right So I think I think of Top of I think of all of our alcohols too. Yeah And so I think the food Rules apply it's so a classic food combination of sweet and salty. Yeah. And so, so there's a sweetness to our vodka. And and I, you know, I just said, Oh yeah, everyone's gonna drink olive brine. Well, normally if they come in and they want a Tito dirty martini, they're asking for three parts Tito's or some other brand, one part olive brine. Right? Uh-huh. That's and so you're that's so much salt and stuff, you just that's all you can taste. So my whole thing is do four parts taco, one quarter of a part olive brine so you got the sweet with just a little bit of salt and then i'm a believer in vermouth people people say extra dry they don't even know why that means no vermouth and i think americans don't like vermouth because no one told us vermouth isn't a liquor it's a wine it goes sour but we keep it with liquor so the vermouth always tastes like crap because it's years old and it's sour and it's nasty so throw away your vermouth buy a new bottle keep it in the fridge you like it a lot better. Dude. But I think the point of vermouth is umami, so now you got the sweetness of tapa vodka. Mm. So four parts tapa vodka, one quarter of a part olive brine, so you got a little mm-hmm. bit of salt to balance against that sweet, and then one eighth of a part vermouth, so you get that umami character. Shake that, <clears throat> serve it with three olives. That's not the best darn martini you've ever had.
0: I'll eat my hat. There you go, dude. I love it. Yeah, I've never had a martini. I mean, I'll. I, I, oh my god! I, I've never okay. had, so next time you're coming in, that, you're gonna make me martini. It. Let me ask you this: Can I get some tapa, and can I drink it neat with like a really salty medium rare ribeye? Get the salt, oh, sweet. There you go. Yeah, yeah. That's my style right there.
1: Yeah, man. Absolutely. Take a big old bite yeah, of ribeye I mean, and then can wash, do that it with down, wash it down. Reserve whiskey, or you can do
0: that with. Yeah. You know, I mean. Oh, I do, I do, but I'm saying yeah. like I've never had it with vodka. But you take a big old so, bite of that salty ribeye, man. Get that thing yeah. reverse seared and then. Take that down and wash it down with some of that sweet Toppo vodka. Ooh, oh, yeah, yeah. Man. Yeah, that
1: would be nice. Yeah, imagine like a big salt, pepper, and garlic rub.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah, that would be sweet. I like it. Plus, it doesn't have sugar. I'm trying to get rid of the sugar.
1: Get rid of the sugar, babe.
0: Yeah, man. I love the bourbon, but actually the bourbon doesn't really have any sugar, does it?
1: No, you know, it really you Yeah,
0: know. it doesn't.
1: Remember, the sugar, we're using that to make the alcohol.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's right. So the
1: glycemic um, index of liquor is good.
0: Is very good, yes. Beer's the problem. Beer's got a... It's not a good... Well, not as good as as liquor. Uh. All right, dude. This is awesome. Anything else we want to rap about? Did I miss anything? Well, I don't
1: know. There's all kinds of things I love rapping about with you, but I'm not sure for this podcast.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, anything that we were touching on the other day because we had a quick conversation when I was rolling, but did I miss anything that we should have addressed? I don't think
1: so. I think we're... I think this
0: is good. All right, man. This is awesome. Love it. Excellent. All right, buddy. Scott, good deal. appreciate it, man. Uh, yeah, well, you know, like I said, I'm coming up there a lot these days. So next time I'm up anywhere near there. Uh, Absolutely. i tell let's you what we should dinner, do. Man. You know what we should do? We should get Brett. And, uh, yeah. You, Brett, and I go have some dinner or, you know. That's have what i Yeah, go, yeah, yeah. Like
1: no, that, no, 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 let's do it. Yeah.
0: Because he and I keep trying to catch up there, too. And uh, I think he comes on Wednesdays, I think he told me because I was going to see if he was there. Anyway, so maybe we'll do that. Maybe we'll uh, That'd be great. make it happen on Wednesday. All right, man. Uh, enjoyed it very much. Thanks, Scott. Sorry, buddy. Thank right. you. See you. All right, y'all. Bye. That's it. Bye. Wrapping up. More coming soon.